Thank you for listening to the Faith Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. Today's sermon, for the seventh Sunday after the Epiphany, February 20th, 2022, is preached by Pastor Jason Goodham. If you have questions or comments regarding today's message, please call the church office at 612-824-5527 or visit our website at faithlutheran-aflc.org. Good morning again. Special welcome to those of you who are visiting us this morning. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I would at this time invite you to stand as I read the gospel lesson appointed for this Sunday. I have somewhat amended what we're reading from what is in the bulletin. It says through verse 38, but instead we're going to read Luke chapter 6 verses 27 through 36. Still can be found on page 1596 of your pew Bible if you'd like to follow along. Reading in Jesus' name, Luke chapter 6 verses 27 through 36. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from everyone who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them." If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners and get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Heavenly Father, these are your words, and your word is truth. We pray that this morning you would sanctify us in the truth, that you would convict us of sin in our lives where that is necessary, and that you would comfort and encourage us with the promises of your gospel. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. As technology has marched forward in Western society, we have become accustomed to and become big fans of simple and easy. Our lives are built around simple and easy. Don't believe me? Just ask Staples and their easy button. Ordering food is simple and easy. Simply drive your car up to the intercom speaker and tell the fast food employee what number of meal you want. You don't even have to order a cheeseburger anymore. Like a number three, medium with a Sprite. Guess what you get? A number three, medium with a Sprite, and occasionally something else if they screw it up. Renting a movie, for most, is simple and easy. Now, I'm going to be speaking a foreign language to a small handful of you in here right now, but some of us back in my day, had to go to a store to rent a movie. And when you got to that store, there were literally dozens of options on the wall, and you had to look and make sure that cartridge was behind the movie case, and then take it off the wall, and go to the cashier, and rent it, and then sometimes rewind the movie before you started it. Last time I rented a movie, It took me five seconds. I searched on Amazon, on my TV, with my remote control, 
I clicked a button, and since Amazon already has my credit card information, I entered a password and we were good to go, and everyone in the youth group watched How the Grinch Stole Christmas. It was simple and easy. But what about for us if you just remove one of those two variables? What if something is easy but not simple? Well, at that point, you've just purchased something from Ikea. Okay? Directions are very straightforward, and after 432 steps, you may have a bookshelf or you might have a couch. What about the other way around? What if something is simple but not easy? Well, that's where we will wade together this morning into what Jesus is teaching in our gospel lesson. And it's especially magnified if you understand the gospel lesson through the Lutheran lens of law and gospel, which is exactly what we're going to do. What we have before us is something that is incredibly simple and straightforward. But it is most certainly not easy. Love your neighbor. So, jumping back into Luke 6 and seeing it through the eyes and the voice of Jesus, what we see first in this simple passage is that the law convicts. As Jesus continues to preach through the Sermon on the Plain that we talked about last week, he turns from his teaching on blessings and woes to the subject of love. And it's a simple subject, really. Just ask the Beatles. All you need is love. But rather than an easy, straightforward stroll down a paved path, what the honest Christian finds when he examines Jesus' teaching about love is that he is rather in a minefield, fraught with peril on all sides, no matter which way we might turn. And why is that the case? It's because Jesus' preaching here in Luke 6 convicts us. It would be much easier if it convicted someone else. And in fact, we would be happy to point that person out to God right now. But that's not the point. Jesus' preaching here zeroes in. It targets right on us. And what we find is that we don't love our enemy. In fact, and maybe, and especially during today's day and age, our response to Jesus, if we're honest, would probably be, are you crazy? Love our enemy? Why would I do that? And if there's anything society has taught me today, it's that I should hate my enemy. I should strike back with all vitriol. I should curse denounce and cancel him. I should deny him. More often than not, in today's easy but not simple online environment, we have distorted Jesus' golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. We have changed that into do unto others before they do it to you. When it comes down to it, we do not love our enemy because in our mind, they do not deserve it. 
But in our impassioned self-justification, something else happens as we continue to read. It's not so much the first half of this section that should convict us, and it should. It's the second half. It's the second paragraph. We not only fail to love our enemy, we don't even love our neighbor. Listen to the way Jesus frames his teaching in the second paragraph. If you love those who love you, and if you do good to those who do good to you, and if you lend, that if is a big capital I, capital F, that Jesus wants stamped before our eyes and on our heart. If. But do you? Do you love your neighbor? Do you do good to those who do good to you? Are you generous with your money and your possessions in the face of someone else's need? Stop and think about it for a moment. When was the last time you hurt someone you loved? When was the last time you harmed a friend? When was the last time you stole or hoarded or presumed upon a loved one's generosity? And as you ponder and meditate on those questions, the law, God's law, has done its work on your heart. If you right now can honestly take stock of your life with these two simple commands in mind, love your enemy and love your neighbor, if you can do that and not feel convicted at this moment, you're either lying or delusional. Because Jesus has given us these commands for the purpose of convicting us. They are simple and straightforward, but they are not easy. Rather, they're impossible. And that's exactly what Jesus wants. But why would Jesus give us commands that we can't follow? Because a major part of the gospel message is that Jesus has stepped into our place and fulfilled the requirements of the law for us. Where the law convicts us, Jesus in his turn fulfills the law. Jesus has loved our neighbor, the enemy. And all the many times we have failed to extend grace and offer forgiveness to an enemy, Jesus has done it perfectly and completely. Jesus' suffering and death was for the sins of the whole world. The Bible definitively tells us this in many places. And what this means is that every single person you encounter, no matter how much you dislike them, loathe them, or even hate them, that person is someone for whom Jesus has died. Without exception. In all of history. Every enemy... Every nemesis is a target of Jesus' redemption. 
that there is a bigger reality of Jesus' redemption. And that is that you are a target of Jesus' redemption. And what we see here is that Jesus has loved you, his enemy. We've already covered the extent to which you and I do not love, but what we failed to acknowledge, at least initially, is that in your failure to love either your enemy or your neighbor, you have become God's enemy. Every time you disobey the commandments, every time you break his law, it is an act of war against God. You have pitted your own personal autonomy, which, by the way, is simply a word we use to state self-law, in your own personal autonomy against the law of the divine ruler of the universe, and you have stated in your sin and in no uncertain terms that you know better. Do not steal? Well, I will take this because I need it. Do not bear false witness against your neighbor? Well, I will harm him because it helps me. Honor your father and your mother, which extends, by the way, to the government. Well, not that guy. I didn't vote for him. Your sin is an act of treason by which you declare to God that you are in need of his throne. And God's response to all this is anger and wrath and fury. God hates sin. And yet when God acts upon his anger and upon his wrath and upon his fury, he directs it not toward you, but to his son Jesus Christ. Because you can't withstand God's anger, you can't survive God's wrath, and you can't endure God's fury. But Jesus can, and Jesus did. And it's all because, as Jesus says here in Luke 6, God is merciful. Actually, he puts it in even better terms for us. Your Father is merciful. The point of God's law, wherever it might be in Scripture, whatever command is being spoken, the point of it is to drive you to your knees before the God of the universe so that you are crying out to mercy. That's the point. And when you cry out to God for mercy, when you are crushed under the weight of your sins or even under the weight of a single sin... God, your heavenly Father, meets you with mercy every single time because he is merciful, because he has sent his one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to perfectly fulfill the law for you and in your place. And then Jesus went to the cross in your place perfectly to receive God's punishment for your failure to obey the law. And then Jesus rose from the grave perfectly and in your place to demonstrate that he has conquered sin and death and the devil for you. The message of the gospel is simple, but it is not easy. It cost the Son of God his life, but it is for you. 
And so what do we have left this morning? The law convicts. Jesus fulfills the law. And then for you, dear saints, the gospel frees. It frees you right here and right now to go out and love your neighbor. And it frees you right here and right now to go out and love your enemy. But wait, we've just covered how none of us, even if we identify and confess that we're Christians, actually love. That is correct. But that is only the law and is not the gospel. The gospel proclaimed and the gospel applied, what you will receive here at this altar in just a few moments, declares to us that the punishment of the law and the wrath of God can no longer harm us. There is therefore no, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law can threaten, but it can no longer condemn. And in doing so, the law can only guide because as those who have received the mercy in Christ from our merciful Heavenly Father, we have now been freed to extend mercy to anyone and everyone God puts in our path. Our love for our neighbors and our love for our enemies isn't just a command anymore. Don't get me wrong, it is still a command. We will still fail and we will still need to, re to repent. But part of the glory and the wonder of the gospel is that the gospel reorients us to the law in such a way that God's law is no longer a matter of salvation for us. Do it and live. Fail and die. That is the initial message of the law. The end of all things has been taken for us in Christ. Christ has died and so we live. God's law now has become a matter of vocation for us. It provides the boundaries by which we love our neighbors. God's law says, go love your neighbor, and we go out, find a neighbor, and love them. God's law says, go out and find your enemy, and we go out, find an enemy, and love them. And guess what? As a Christian, it will not be hard to find an enemy. I promise you, it will not be hard. But why do we do this? Because we, the target of our Heavenly Father's mercy, have received everything we need for life and salvation in Jesus Christ. And how do we go out and do this? How do we love our neighbor? And how do we love our enemy? That's a little bit messier. We will try, and we will fail. And we will try again, and we will fail again. And we will try repeatedly, and we will fail repeatedly. But when we fail, there is always forgiveness when we repent of our sins and we cry to God for mercy. That's why you're here right now. That's what you're doing in church. You have come for mercy, and here you will find it. You will receive it. It will be put in your mouth. And it's the same mercy every day without exception that never runs out. 
And it is that same mercy God gives us that we are now free to extend to others. It's a lifelong process. Love, fail, repent, forgive, and then love again. You might say that it is quite simple. It is not easy. Amen. And now, may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.